But I want to start by sharing a story. Once upon a time, life began for twin boys in their mother's womb. The spark of life glowed until it caught fire with the formation of their embryonic brains. With their simple brains came feeling, and with feeling, a sense of surrounding, of each other, and of self. When they perceived the life of each other, they knew that life was good, and they laughed and rejoiced. The one saying, lucky are we to have been conceived, to have this world. And the other chiming in, blessed be the mother who gave us this life and each other. As they grew, they explored their new found world. And one of the boys found in it the life cord, which gave them life from the precious mother's blood. And so they sang, how great is the love of the mother that she shares all that she has with us. And they were pleased and satisfied with their lot. Weeks passed into months, and with the advent of each new month, they noticed a change in each other. And each began to see changes in himself. We are changing, said the one. What can it mean? It means, said the other, that we are drawing near to birth. An unsettling chill crept over the two, and they both feared, for they knew that birth meant leaving their entire world behind. One said, were up to me, I would live here forever. How can there be life after birth, cried the one. Do we not shed our life cord and also the blood tissues? And have we ever talked to one who has been born? Has anyone re-entered the womb after birth? No. And he fell into despair. And in his despair he moaned, If the purpose of conception and all of our growth is that it must end in birth, then truly our life is absurd. Resigned to despair, the one clutched his precious life cord to his chest and said, If all this is so and life is absurd, then there really could not be a mother. But there is a mother, protested the other. Who else gave us our nourishment and our world? Thus, one despaired. The other placed his trust in the hands of the mother. Hours ached into days, and days fell into weeks, and it came time. Both knew that their birth was at hand, and both feared what they did not know. As the one was the first to be conceived, so he was the first to be born, and the other followed after. And they cried as they were born into the light, and they coughed out fluid and gasped in the dry air, And when they were sure they had been born, they opened their eyes for the first time, and they found themselves cradled in the warm, loving arms of the mother. And they lay there awestruck before the one who they could only hope to know. Well, friends, as we talk about grief today, As we talk about hope today, 
I recognize that each and every one of us deals with grief and deals with death in a different way. For many of us, it is a scary thing to think of. We know that death is a natural part of life. We see that in nature. We've witnessed it in all of history. Your great-great-great-grandmother is not alive today. We know that people don't live forever. We know that one day, we too will die. In fact, if we think about it enough, we recognize that we are not guaranteed even tomorrow. That each day that we have is a gift. Our time on this earth is short. One day we will all die. That's a sobering thought, isn't it? For some of us, we have thought about that. For others, this is, might be the first time. And if we have no hope, if this earth is all that there is, then it is a very sobering thought. Like those twins, if you think to yourself, what is there after birth? Can there be anything? What is there after death? Can there be anything? And so to help us understand this idea of grief and understand this idea of hope, I want to share with you a story from the Bible. Jesus, as he was walking in, around and, and in his ministry time, he received a message. He received a message from two sisters, Mary and Martha. And this is what we hear. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. Lazarus was the brother. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. In other words, this Lazarus, this Mary, this Martha, not only did they love one another, but Jesus knew them. They were friends. They had a history. They had a relationship. And so the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one that you love is sick. This was their Hail Mary. They knew that Lazarus was too sick to recover. And they said, if only Jesus could come, he could heal him and he would be better. Have you ever walked with someone who is terminally ill? And they start sending out those Hail Marys. Maybe, just maybe, this drug that's just come onto the market, maybe that will heal me. I've heard of this doctor who's doing some incredible new things down in California. If we just go there, maybe, just maybe, he can help. Mary and Martha call out the same way. Jesus, we need Jesus here. If Jesus was here, he would heal Lazarus and Lazarus would be well. And so they send for Jesus. 
And Jesus comes, but comes too late. Lazarus dies. On Jesus' arrival, he finds Lazarus already in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Mary and Martha to comfort them in the loss of their brother. There was this great crowd. People had already started mourning. They were grieving. The casseroles were coming in. They knew this was time for grief. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, if you had been here, do you hear the accusing? If you had been here, my brother would not have died. It's so natural when we're going through grief to want to blame someone, to want to point the finger. If this had just happened, if they had not been like this, if they had taken better care of themselves, if that drunk driver hadn't gone in the car, whatever it might be, we want to point the finger. Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And yet it quickly then turns into this hopeful plea. But even now, God will bring you whatever you give you whatever you ask. And Jesus says these words. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection. And the life. The one who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Now the hospital room, the funeral home, they're not good places for a theological conversation. But they get into this conversation here. Martha knows the truth. She knows that her brother will rise again. She knows that her brother's death is not the end. That one day we will all rise. We will face judgment. And those that have their name written in the book of life, those who have put their hope in Jesus, will be with him forever. She knows this. And even now she says, that is my hope, Jesus, that is my hope. And he affirms this in her. Yes, that's true. But wait. Today there's more. Today there's more. Just you wait. She says, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into this world. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. 
And Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. Before we even get to the miracle here, I want to tell you, there is a time to grieve. There is a time to grieve. Mary, Martha, the crowd, even Jesus grieved. There is a time to grieve. And I want to tell you, if you are hearing this today and you have lost someone dear to you, you've lost a child, you've lost a parent, you've lost a spouse, you've lost a friend, there is a time to grieve. Maybe you're walking with someone right now and you know that the end is near. Maybe that's you yourself. There is a time to grieve. And I want to encourage you, take the time you need to grieve. There's this false idea out there, and there are so many people who who say it to someone who has lost someone. You just got to get on with your life. You just got to move on. It'll get better. Don't worry. You just just make keep yourself busy. And you won't think about it. And I want to say most of the time, the people who are trying to push someone out of grief, it's because they themselves are uncomfortable with you grieving. We don't like seeing someone else grieving, do we? We don't want to see someone else mourning, someone else sad. We want to fix them. We want to make them feel better. What can I bake you that will make you feel better? What can I bring you that will make you feel better? How do I distract you to make you feel better? I just want you not to cry. Because I'm not comfortable with it. And I want to tell you, that's not your issue. If you are grieving, someone else not being comfortable with you grieving is not your issue. It's their issue. You can take all the time you need to grieve. And whether it has been a month or whether it has been 20 years, you may still be grieving. And that is okay. A birthday, an anniversary, a special place, special time, a favorite couch, whatever it might be, may just bring that back. And it is okay to grieve. It is okay to grieve. Because you have lost someone that you care for, and that is okay to feel. We grieve that that person is no longer with us. That person has died. They are no longer with us. And that is something that we can grieve and should grieve. We can grieve the loss in our lives. We can even grieve the change that this means for us. You used to make dinner for two and now you're making dinner for one. 
You used to go and visit this person and now they're not here. Something has changed in who you are and how you live and we can grieve that. Jesus himself grieved. He wept for Lazarus. And if you know the end of the story, you might say, why would he, why, why would he cry? Why would he cry? There's good stuff that's going to come out of here. Why would he cry? Because there's a time. There is a time to cry. And grief is healthy. God grieves with you, not because of the loss, but because he loves you. He loves you. And so, friends, I want to tell you, if you are grieving right now, that's okay. It is okay to grieve. And if you are walking with someone who is grieving, please help them and help yourself by letting them grieve. The story's not over yet, though. Jesus, once more deeply moved, he comes to the tomb. He came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. And he says to the people standing there, take away the stone. Open up the grave. Take away the stone. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. She knows what happens when people die. We bury them. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? This is descriptive, friends. This is Jesus showing his power in a way that doesn't happen all the time. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. There is a time to grieve, but there is also a time for hope. There is a time for hope. But I want to be clear on something. Our hope, our hope is not in the temporary earthly miracle. Our hope is not in the temporary earthly miracle. I want to tell you, there are times still today that God in his mercy and in his power raises someone from the dead. I've heard about it. There are times still today where someone is sick, terminally sick, and God miraculously heals them. Supernaturally Doctors cannot understand it. They cannot explain it. 
And as a church, as a church, we pray for God to do miraculous things. And if you are sick today, if you are terminal today, if you are walking with someone who is dying, we are happy to pray with you. And part of that prayer would be, God, if you so choose, would you heal this person fully and completely in Jesus' name? Because we know that sometimes he does. Sometimes he does. He doesn't always. I don't understand why. But sometimes he does. But I need to tell you, Lazarus, he died again. Maybe it was months, maybe it was years later. But Lazarus, who was raised from the dead, one day died. And everyone else who has ever been raised from the dead, other than Jesus, has died. And everyone else who has been healed has still one day died. And so we pray for miracles, we believe in miracles, but our hope is not in the earthly temporary miracles. We put our hope that one day we will see our loved one again. We put our hope that this world is not the end. We put our hope in the truth that death does not have the final say. We put our hope that wrongs will be righted and justice will be done. We put our hope in grace. That grace will be given and that our wrongs will be forgiven. We put our hope in God who sent us Jesus Christ, his son, to show us that he is able to forgive all of our sins if we would just ask. And that one day we might be with him for eternity. That the grave and death has no power anymore. That is what we put our hope in. 1 Corinthians 13 says this, For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then we will see face to face. Now we we know in part, but then we shall know fully, even as we are fully known. Friends, God didn't create death. He didn't create sickness. Those come out of the consequence of our rebellion from God. We turned away from the author of life, And we got sickness and death. And so when we look in our world, when we look at all the junk in our world, all the sickness and pain and death in our world, that's not God. That's nothing like God. And one day, one day, God promises that he will wipe away every tear. Revelation 21 says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. 
God is making things new. God is making things new. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. God is making things new. We were meant for a relationship with God. In the beginning, that's why we were made. We were meant for a relationship with God. That's why Jesus came. We were meant for a relationship with God. And when we broke that relationship with God, only God could fix it. Only God could make it new. That's why he went to the cross, friends. He went to the cross so that we could be in relationship back with him. So that our sins could be forgiven. The junk in our lives, the things that are the wall, the barrier between us and God could be forgiven, wiped clean. God was making things new. We put our hope in God. God loves us that much. And so there is a time to grieve. But we do not grieve as those who have no hope. We grieve the loss here in this world. The temporary loss of the relationship that we hold so dear. And that grief is cutting It hurts. That loss is cutting. It hurts. But we don't grieve as those who have no hope because we put our hope in God. We put our hope in God who loves us and who made a way for us to be with him for eternity. God loved the world. God loved the people of this world so much that he gave his only son so that everyone who has faith in him will have eternal life and never really die. God did not send his son into the world to condemn its people. He sent him to save them. God is our hope. And when we put our hope in him, whatever trials we go through in life, He is big enough to get us through them. He is big enough to be our hope, to be our peace, to hold us still. He is the one that we put our hope in. So I want to invite you today, wherever you're at, whether you are walking through the valley of shadow of death, whether you are walking with someone else who is going through that valley, whether you are remembering the pain of a past relationship that was broken, a lost loved one, would you put your hope in God? Would you put your hope in the love of God found in Jesus Christ? I'm going to pray if I just want to invite you to pray with me. If you want to put your hope in God, just pray with me in the quiet of your heart. Pray.
God, you are my hope. And in you is peace. And God, I'm walking through something right now that I don't want to walk through. And I'm scared. And I'm hurting. And no one else understands. But you understand. And I hear today that you love me. And that my hurt hurts you. That your heart breaks as my heart breaks. God, I need you. And I want you to be my comfort and to be my guide. And so God, thank you for the cross. Thank you that you paid the price for my sin. I don't want to hold on to that anymore. And so I confess that I have sinned. I've done wrong in my life, but I give it to you. And I thank you for your grace. And I ask that you would be my comfort, that you would be my strength, that you would pour out your love on me. I want to be with you. Help me to follow you each day. In Jesus' name, amen.